you're listening to Unraveling Rachel. This podcast is all about this journey that we call life and how we can live it more authentically so that it sucks less and feels better. Sounds good, huh? Hi there, my friends. It's been a couple of weeks since I've recorded an episode and I am sorry about that. I've missed you guys. I've missed doing this. And I thought that I could keep it up while I went on some travel, some vacation. I went to see my dad in Florida, but it just didn't pan out that way. I found it very hard, in fact, to keep up with some of the commitments that I made to myself while I was outside of my normal routine, outside of a grounded place where I felt safe. Not that I felt unsafe where I was, where I was staying, but I didn't feel safe enough to really relax and do the things that I know that I need to do to take care of myself. I also didn't feel like I had access to some of those things that I know I can do to take care of myself. Now, I think in some ways there's truth to that. And then there's also like, well, I could have made it happen. I could have tried harder. Um, And that's just, you know, looking back, hindsight and um, info for moving forward instead of regret. So anyway, here I am. I'm back in San Diego. I actually got back to San Diego a week ago and ended up staying at my partner Graham's place for the following week because I got in late. It was nice to see him. I stayed at his place and then it was just easier. It was nice to have dinner with him. It was nice to wake up and have coffee with him and go for walks. It was nice to be really, really close to my yoga studio and really close to some other new things that I started integrating into my life. Um, But all of those things did not really help me get back on track. And I don't think that I'm really going back on track. I'm not going back to the way things were. I'm moving forward in a, in a new way, um, in a different way, based upon the things that I've discovered and what I know now. And so this is going to be a really off-the-cuff episode and a quick episode because I am trying to be mindful of time, like I spoke about in, I think it was my last unraveling Uh, weekly unravel that um, I'm giving myself half an hour to get this all out. I thought that I would have like a structure kind of sketched out for this, but hasn't panned out that way. So there's a structure in my head and it's just going to be rather free flow. Um, So first of all, I want to thank everyone who watched my Instagram videos, uh, IGTV, and I also posted it to Facebook about um, wanting to take part in Irene Lyons Smart Body Smart Mind program, so that I can get more intimate with my nervous system and really into the mind body integration more, uh, so that I can heal my nervous system to be more regulated and less. Um, reactive so that I'm not reacting to situations that are occurring in the present like they're really big threats to me as they may have been in the past. And 
This is um, all information that I'm going to be sharing with you as I learn. Um, And part of that is because I want everyone to have access to this. And also because I know that the more deeply I experience and understand and can explain and express, um, the better, the better I know it. Um, To be able to to explain something and teach something really requires a level of mastery beyond just like a fascination or a general knowing. And I don't pretend to have that yet, Um, but it's a place that I want to get to. So to everyone who took the time to watch and then either share that post or donate, I appreciate you and your big hearts and your belief in me so, so much, so much. I don't, I don't have words for it. And because I don't have words for it, in some ways, I feel hesitant to even try to express my gratitude because it just feels not good enough. And gosh, not good enough is so at the basis for a lot of where I have held myself back or done myself disservice in life. And uh, that's more than this episode can contain. So I'll touch on that later. Um, Thank you to those who donated. I tried to, my goal was raising $2,000 in one day to pay for the course in full. I was just a hair shy of half of that. And there's a monthly payment plan for the course. So I went ahead and did that. And I trust that if um, you find what I'm sharing of value and you want to see more and hear more about it, um, that you'll share again or donate again or um, send someone else, send my stuff someone else's way and maybe they'll share. Like the universe is going to support me in this. There is a greater order of things than I can perceive and I'm trusting in that it's all going to work out. It's all going to work out better than I ever even imagined because I'm doing the work. I'm out there learning, exploring, and getting to know myself better. Which brings me to a couple other things and um, that I want to talk about. Actually, like four popped into my head all at once. I'm probably going to end up forgetting (laughs) at least one of them. Um, But where to start? So while I was in Florida, I mentioned that I was thrown off my schedule and kind of thrown into my dad's schedule. My dad's schedule looks a lot like, um, well, at least his schedule while I was there looks like attending a uh, 12-step meeting, getting a coffee right beforehand, hanging out with some anonymous friends and going fishing and enjoying the sunshine and maybe taking a nap. It also involves snacking a lot, eating a lot of chocolate and a lot of sugary coffee, which I let myself fall into, even though I had decided I was giving up sugar for February. It was tempting like, oh, I'm in Florida and I'm on vacation and this is what my dad does. And I'd like to experience this and I want to be a normal person and able to have a coffee con leche. Although I brought my own leche uh, in the form of coconut or soy milk. And it was initially a challenge getting them to understand that, but eventually caught on and it was a, a morning routine. And sometimes it was more than the morning. It was also the afternoon. Um, and that 
that way of nourishing my body really kind of didn't work for me. (laughs) Um, And I see that now and it was enjoyable in the moment, I guess, but really not worth it. So a point of learning. Um, What I did really enjoy about um, the trip and that I am keeping up since my return to San Diego is attending a 12-step meeting. Um, I don't really know what I can and can't talk about because it's that whole anonymous thing. My dad's pretty open about you know, his sobriety. It's been 20 years. I've talked about it on here and it's largely in thanks to the AA program. And I got to experience a meeting, well, a daily meeting with him every morning at 8 a.m. Um, and meet these people who supported him, who have supported him for years. And he's talked about them before and I've kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. Dad's, you know, former drunk friends, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I I know that when he was out here for the surgery, they called him and he called them and he had so much support from them. Um, and to get to meet them face to face was just something really beautiful and really special and something that I will cherish for the rest of my life and that I'm forever grateful for, not just for what that fellowship has given him, but what in the, I think four or five, maybe six meetings that I got to attend with him have given me because, ah, again, there's just way too much to go into for this half an hour that I've given myself to sit down and kind of do a quick recap Uh, It's definitely something that I will be talking about more in depth. I did tons of journaling on it while I was there and on the flight back, but it, it was really incredible and powerful. And what I look forward to for the trip, we, my dad and I took this trip down to Key West and it was terrible. I don't like crowds. You know, my dad doesn't drink. I haven't been drinking. It was a lot of people out and about drinking. There was a lot of eating. I can't really eat a whole lot or a lot of things. Eating out isn't that much fun for me. I didn't want to shop and do touristy things. And it was just really, really stressful. I got dehydrated and stressed. And then I almost tripped over a sidewalk sign. And I ended up, my stomach was so tight and I was nauseous. I ended up puking on the side of the road in Key West. No alcohol, nothing in my system, not enough water in my system is probably mostly what it was and too much coffee con leche Um, and just feeling pretty awful. Um, And I told my dad after that, I said, no more tourist things. Like if, if the rest of my trip just looks like getting up, going to a meeting, having lunch with your friends, maybe going fishing or laying on the beach and taking a nap, I'm good. Like, that's all I want is just having some downtime, spending time with you and doing some just like regular life stuff. Um, and that's what we did the rest of the week uh, and ended the trip with a, a trip to the Everglades, which was supposed to be missing the morning meeting. And I said, we can't do that. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we made that happen and then headed out and had a really awesome time going out on his friend's airboat and 
uh, private airboat, not one of those tour ones, um, going out to his private cabin in the middle of the Everglades, um, surrounded by nature, no cell reception, and um, going out at night on the airboat, seeing all kinds of alligators. Alligators were everywhere, and it didn't scare me a bit. Um, seeing the frogs at night, frog gigging, which I wasn't so down with. Frog gigging is hunting, by the way. Um, but it was magical. It was so magical. Um, the Everglades, I didn't realize how much it would remind me of the desert, which is one of my favorite places that I've been on this earth because of its expansiveness, because of the life that lives there, because of the subtleties of it. And by the subtleties, I mean like the subtle hues and the little things that grow there in a place that seems kind of uninhabitable. Um, I mean, I guess the Everglades, you know, because there's water, it seems a little bit more inhabitable, but it's still just like really vast and marshy and murky and unknown. And the desert is so vast and flat and dry and the unknown is less um, scary. I don't, I don't know, less concealed in some way, but still there. Like there's so much space for things in life and energy. And I loved it. And being on an airboat was like dancing on water. And I will never forget that experience. It was so freaking beautiful. So there we go. That That's what was happening in Florida. Had a really great time going to morning meetings with my dad. Also got to... Um, attend a meeting where he told his story, um, which I've heard before, you know, just because like kind of, I've, I partially lived it. I lived a part of it as someone, uh, you know, as his daughter. And I'd also seen him tell it at meetings before. And I know that at the end he reads this poem that I wrote when I was 14 or maybe 15. Um, and I know bits and pieces of a story just from what he's shared with me personally, but being in, being in that room with people who I knew had supported him with people that I'd gotten to meet and kind of know o- over a couple of days, um, cause this was Saturday night. And at that point I had been there, um, for a Friday and a, well, I guess just maybe two morning meetings, but, um, getting to be in the room while he told it and knowing what he'd went through that day. That's actually the day that we went to Key West and we were both kind of exhausted and we're like, gosh, if he didn't have to talk tonight, we would just stay home. (laughs) Um, And he asked me to read the poem at the end of the meeting. And uh, I agreed um, because I thought it would be really powerful, a powerful experience for me to reread those words for other people to hear those words coming from me for my dad to hear them coming from me. And I think that sharing story as authentically as possible, like the more authentically a story is shared, the more impactful it is. And it it was, it was really impactful. And tears are coming on as I'm even talking about it right now. And definitely I was choking down tears in the meeting. 
Um, it was an experience I'll never forget. And it was impactful. Um, a lot of people said so. And it was a um, just a really beautiful experience. So anyway, all that to say that upon my return to San Diego and coming back into what does a regular schedule look like for me and what are the things that I'm doing that are a benefit to me and looking and seeing what didn't work while I was on vacation um, and what did work was I really missed that morning meeting. Um, so I found something that I could attend here and I've been a couple of times and I feel so at home. Um, even though I'm not someone who's identified as an alcoholic, there are open meetings and I'm attending an open meeting that, um, I feel really at home in and I've already gained just so much from, um, in ways of fellowship and ways of insight and, um, hope, I guess, hope, structure, um, not feeling alone and isolation is something that um, has come up in reading that I've been doing, rereading that I've been doing, I should say. Um, and I think I, I shared that in my Instagram story actually about isolation being a big um, predictor in cancer. People who feel isolated, people who repress emotions and um, people who um, have experienced trauma and like I fit all those things in so many ways. I repressed a lot of emotion, a lot of parts of myself. I've said before, I think my depression was a lack of expression. And as I express myself, I feel lighter. I feel more aligned. I feel more hopeful. I've often felt hopeless in life and I've often felt alone, even when that's not true. And some of that is just, self-created um in ways um so but I say self-created not in a blaming way but like created on these patterns that are are patterns of trauma and patterns of a, a nervous system that doesn't feel safe in connection doesn't know how to connect and that is something that I, I think is going to shift even more through this smart body smart mind program um, through um, fellowship, through 12 steps. And I actually plan on working these steps. I just haven't, I'm not really sure when that'll start or how that'll go yet. Um, and also, okay, I'm trying to capture these things before my time runs out. Um, one of the other four things that popped into my head was uh, structure. And going to that meeting pertains to the structure, doing smart body, smart mind, that's part of structure. Um, and going to yoga regularly is part of structure in my life. Um, structure in my life in that that's a place that I go at a certain time um, on certain days and move my body in ways. And it creates structure within my body, like on a musculoskeletal level, on a cellular level. And it also works the mind so in, in like these multiple planes. And I, I have on and off throughout the years followed this yoga instructor at a studio in San Diego. And I've always enjoyed her classes. Sometimes I felt that 
they're intimidating. Sometimes I push myself too hard. Sometimes I felt that she was intimidating. Um, sometimes I felt that the community seemed intimidating. And now I go there and I'm just like, it feels so good. And I'm so open to like just learning more and more and more and like not getting the things right and, and being corrected and finding true alignment for myself, feeling all the, the subtle things in my body, even when they're not comfortable or I don't like them because I think it means something about how I am or how I'm performing. And um, I'm getting better at letting go of that. Um, and the, like I said, this instructor, she's just, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's a Nyingar um, teacher and she's into the esoteric and the, the spiritual and there's just my my body feels stronger more structured and more aligned and my my mind feels more expansive and my body feels calm um when I leave this class typically so that's something else that I'm reintegrating um back into routine um now that I'm here again in San Diego and now that I'm back home um although I'm going away again (laughs) Sunday Monday Tuesday And, um, I am with awareness moving into that, going out of town and coming back and remembering what is important and what's going to best serve me. And the yoga really serves me. When I was visiting my dad, I didn't have a place to really stretch and get into these poses in the way that I know benefits me the most because I didn't have a space for it. I was staying with other people. The room didn't have the space. It didn't have props and I I could have cleared some space in other ways and blah, 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 but I didn't. But now I know that it's really important that I do. So I'll be taking care of myself even while I'm away um, for the full moon um, coming up and um, my digestion so much better my digestion is so much better when I'm doing this yoga, this breathing, paying attention to my body and how I'm holding it and how the feelings affect how I hold it and how how I'm holding my body affect my feelings because it certainly goes both ways. Um, so that was the th- that's three out of the four. And then the fourth thing... I went to the GI doctor. Um, I'm going to need a drink before I get into this because I feel a cough coming on. So I went to, I went to my primary care physician when I got back um, just to have her check me out because I had been really bloated and I had thrown up at work again. This is, um, I came back on like a Wednesday night from Florida. I didn't make yoga on Thursday. I only made yoga on Friday. And then I had like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday of no yoga. And so anyway, I just, I still wasn't feeling well. Um, I went to my primary care physician. She said, okay, things look fine. She ordered me some labs. I had those done. My tumor markers look fine. Um, and she still wanted me to go see GI. So I went and saw GI and he like palpated my abdomen, looked at my, my 
colonoscopy and endoscopy. He said, hey, everything looks fine. I don't really know what's going on. Your abdomen feels fine. I think you've just gained some weight. Um, probably all those coffee con leches and chocolate and potato chips that I ate while I was with my dad. Um, and he said, I, I, th- I think it's okay. Let's, you know, just double check. We'll move your MRI up and um, here are some other things that you can do. And he wrote me kind of like a list of things and also suggested that maybe I was just constipated from not having proper movement, maybe being a little dehydrated from flying and all that. Um, and he was like, well, I can do an x-ray to, to see. And an x-ray is something my primary care physician had suggested too. And I was like, what is it going to show? She's like, oh, it just might show like any like stool load in your intestines. It won't show any fluid or anything like that. They ordered an ultrasound for that, um, which I'll be having soon. Um, and anyway, the GI guy was like, well, yeah, you know, let's just get the x-ray. And I'm like, what is it going to show? Like, I can tell if I'm constipated. I know how much has come in, how much has come out and how my abdomen and everything feels like I know. Yeah. There's stuff in there that needs to come out. Like, what can I do to get it out? I don't need you to, to shower me in radiation to get that answer. He's like, and I, I didn't explain it to him in that way. I just said like, well, I know I'd rather like take an approach and try and clear that first before we needed like an x-ray to diagnose what may be causing it. And so I asked if I could, I was like, hey, you know, like I'll do a saltwater flush. He was like, oh my gosh, no, never, ever, ever do a saltwater flush. That's so dangerous. It'll cause your cells to retain water and it can really hurt your kidneys and um, like your ankles will swell and it can elevate your blood pressure. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I don't, I've done it before and I've been fine. No, it's so dangerous. And I, it's been recommended to me by my naturopath and I've done it and I've been fine. I don't use iodized table salt. I would never do that because I think he's right. That could be really harmful, but I use salt that's mineral rich and I drink plenty of water and it's, always worked. It's always given me a good flush, you know? (laughs) Um, and it's natural. He recommended some other solutions that could be given that are like lab made. And I was like, okay. And I asked about colon hydrotherapy and he was like, Oh, he's like, I'm not a big fan of that to begin with, but you've had so much surgery and you don't have an ileocecal valve, which is the valve that goes between the large intestine and the small intestine and keeps stuff from like the large intestine, the waste going back into the small intestine where um, like nutrients get absorbed. So I was like, okay, like, all right, fine. I get that. He's like, but in general, I think colon hydrotherapy, it's kind of a sham. And I had also asked about coffee enemas and coffee enemas that does nothing. And it's, it's all, you know, it's just like, it's hokey or something he said. And I was like, Okay. And I was just sitting there and checking out because I've experienced those modalities, those therapies, and they've really helped me. They really helped me when Western medicine was like, uh, I don't know, IBS, here, have a pill. And I can't I can't tell you how they worked or why they worked, but they helped me. 
I felt better. I had symptom relief. I had more energy. I had more clarity. I with, with coffee enemas, it helped my liver. I didn't have as much dark circles under my eyes. Like it helped. I get what he was saying about the ileocecal valve. And I am hesitant to try those modalities now because of that. But I might talk to someone else about it and see how <clears throat> how risky it would be to do it, like what the risk benefit ratio would be, I guess. Um, or maybe just try it and see what happened. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but when he was so against these things that I brought up and so when I really saw how set he was in his Western medical training and I thought about when he went to med school and how up to date is he really and isn't he a part of the same system that made me sick that just wanted to prescribe a medicine, a pharmaceutical to mask over my symptoms instead of looking at the root cause. He's he's that. He is in that paradigm. He isn't a supporter of more natural medicine. He hasn't been trained in that way. In fact, he's been told that it's BS, that it's magic, that it's not valid. I really saw that belief in him and I just kind of checked out and just like nodded my head like, okay, yeah, sure, sure, doctor. Okay, I agree with you. And I just had this realization that the same system that made me sick is not going to be the system that makes me better. They don't know how. It's not what they do. And I have to be the one that decides how I get better. And I have to listen to my body and feel into what is true. Excuse me. <clears throat> Had a little <clears throat> tickle in the throat. I'm, I can feel I've been talking too much. I've hit the half hour mark. Um, I'm going to keep going a little bit longer, but, um, even my throat is saying, whew, you need some water. Um, so yeah, in the doctor's office there, I just realized that I, I wasn't going to, that's the system that made me sick couldn't be the system that healed me. It's like they say the, the, solution can't be solved from the um, vibration of the problem. Like it has to, there's, I've got to get outside the box and follow what my body knows to be true and, and seek new ways. And I want to go back and talk about why I say the system that made me sick can't make me better. How is it that I believe that it's the system that made me sick? How, where do I hold Western medicine accountable for the disease that manifested in, in my body? Um, and that is not just Western medicine, but this like society as a whole, I think, is it's about the way that we 
look at health and divide, separate the body and the mind and the emotions and the environment instead of looking at it all. Like it's, it's not even just our mind and our body. It's what's, it's our environment. It's the nervous system. It's how we relate to everything around us. It's an, it's an ecosystem of our lives that really creates wellness and vitality or disease. Western medicine, I think, is really guilty from my perspective. And I don't know, I, I, I guess maybe I, I'm witnessing my language here and saying they're guilty and how do I hold them responsible? And I don't know if I have some, uh, maybe some stuff, some emotions I've got to clear up here and anger towards them and resentment. Um, but from, from the time I was a kid, I, I don't know the full story, but my mom says I was colicky. I didn't nurse well. She didn't have great guidance on how, how to nurse. Um, I think she felt shame. Um, she felt frustration. She didn't know how to handle any of that herself or her emotions And so it was easier to um, do whatever the doctor said, like, oh, just give me formula. Um, And that isn't in the interest of a baby's wellness. Um, Mother's milk is really important. There's all kinds of immune building things that we get from, from mother's milk. And, um, and she's a product of that Western way of living that dismisses emotion, um, ability to be in touch with emotion and process and handle emotions and just wants an easy way out. And so like, there's one thing. And then uh, antibiotics, I was on antibiotics all the time. Uh, And I don't think I finished a lot of them. So antibiotics can be really, really great and important when they're really necessary. And then when they're not, I think that they um, interfere with our body's natural um, microbiome. And that then, you know, digestion gets off and all those things. Um, And then I was on birth control for from the time I was like 15 to 27 maybe um and then I had an IUD and the birth control really I went on it because I needed it and I didn't think about it I mean it just seemed like well this is what the doctor said I had this trust in doctors like they knew what was right Um, And that is another like weakness, I think, in the way that we give up our power as a society to these people that supposedly know more than us, even though we're the ones that live in our own bodies. And I I didn't feel that way then because I was a product of this society and I didn't have that independent thinking. Um, And that really messed with hormones and hormones are so important to the functioning of the body and really like our natural rhythms 
I remember when I went off birth control and I could feel my body and feel my cycle and I actually had a sex drive. It was, it was like a revel. It was such a revelation. And also I was horrified because I couldn't believe that for 12 years of my life, I had been suppressing that. And if I had been suppressing that, how was it messing with my body in other ways? How was it messing with my natural intuition and my inner guidance and who I was attracted to and who I wasn't attracted to? Like, I think there's some real deep stuff there. And I think birth control is, I just, I don't, I don't like it. And I think that we're only going to find out more and more in the coming years how detrimental it is to women's health and how important it is to really be in touch with our natural hormonal cycles for our well-being. Um, and then I was also, I always, I was prone to like athlete's foot when I was a kid and I have really smelly feet. I don't remember them doing anything about that, but then it later became that I had like, um, like flaky scalp and that they treated with, um, uh, topical corticosteroid. And the reading that I've done with steroids is just, they basically like suppress immune response and it, you know, if you suppress the immune response for too long, the immune response stops happening and it really messes up a natural system. It doesn't make what's causing the immune response go away. It, let me say that again. Okay. They don't make what's causing the immune response go away. They just suppress the response. So it's like if I was screaming because someone was hurting me, it doesn't stop the person from hurting me. It just puts a hand over my mouth and eventually I'll stop screaming. And so that's what happened to my immune system. I was on those steroids for years, years. I, I should not have been on them for that long. I went back and read about them later and it was like long-term use can cause damage to blah, blah, blah. And like, yes, my bad. I didn't read the literature that came with it. I think I was prescribed them when I was like 16, 17. My mom didn't read it, or at least she didn't tell me about it. Um, my dad didn't, you know, nobody, not, not that it makes it any, not that it makes it their fault. Um, or, you know, it just, it's what happened. It's what happened. And it's what happened because all of us trusted someone else to know what was best for me. And that doctor, I don't know, I can't really pin it on them. They've got a bunch of patients and maybe they did say like, you shouldn't be on it this long, but somehow I had a prescription for it for a long time. I don't know. The system is broken. The system's broken. And uh, you know, that, that should be really obvious to everyone um, especially if you look at like the opioid crisis, like people shouldn't be prescribed these things long term, but people are being prescribed them. Um, and I'm not gonna, gosh, I've already went over. I won't dive into that here and now, but, um, 
that's just a couple of the ways that I feel like Western medicine has failed me. And then the obvious, like I was going to the doctor for so long with these digestive issues and with pain. Um, excuse me, with these, with digestive issues and with pain and with these like weird immune responses, like the, the scalp thing. And, um, it was like, Oh, I don't know. IBS. Here you go. We're not sure what's going on. And when I had the like really obvious attacks of pain, like near my appendix, I was like, oh, well, let's look at your ovaries because you're a woman and, you know, we're going to make this about your female anatomy because female anatomy is the one that causes problems, you know. Um, Oh, cyst on your ovary. Like, no thought about the appendix, even though, like, I knew. I even, you know, and I've, I've told urgent care doctors, I think it's my appendix. Oh, you'd know if your appendix is burst, was bursting. Like, well... I did know you just didn't listen, um, which I think just really strengthens my resolve to use my voice further, um, which is part of this podcast, you know. Um, so taking it back to that moment in the GI doctor's office on Thursday morning, I just knew the system that made me sick isn't going to be the system that heals me. And later that afternoon in yoga at the end of yoga, I had a a bit of a a cry because I let them cut into me. I let it get, I let, okay, bear with me because this could be taken the wrong way, but this is what I was feeling in the moment. I let the system give me cancer. I let it get to that point by not pursuing the things that felt right to me and the things that I knew. And so I can't do that again. Um, Which means it's time for me to follow nothing more than my intuition. To learn from others, sure. To have the pictures taken by Western medicine, to get the MRI, the ultrasound, to have the blood work, yes. But when they say, oh, let's do an x-ray to see if you're constipated, I'm questioning that. Um, When they say, oh, here, take this medication, no, I want to know why. I'm going to question everything, and I'm going to follow my gut feeling towards healing. Um, And I know that I feel better when I do some of this deeper work, um, through yoga, through examining beliefs, um, dancing, moving, connecting with people. And I am looking at some other modes of healing um, that include theta healing. I am interested in ayahuasca. I I'm really interested in, um, obviously, um, looking forward to what I'm learning in Smart Body, Smart Mind. And I don't know what else. Hypnotherapy, um, meditative practices. Um, I read Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. I think 
like right before I got diagnosed. And I have those meditations that I'm going to look into starting soon. They, they take some time, so I'm going to have to schedule them in. Um, and kind of a, a very synchronistic thing happened um, the day that I had this realization and all that. I also got a, um, a message from someone on Instagram about uh, their wife has the same thing and that she's had two treatments of extensive treatments and they started looking at the same things that I'm talking about looking at, about examining the trauma, about rewiring the nervous system. And he asked if I knew about um, Dr. Joe Dispenza and his meditations and that she's been doing them with great results and um, that it's rare to find someone who's approaching I mean, first of all, it's rare to find someone with this disease, two in a million. You know, this guy had to reach out from Germany. Um, and then it's even more rare to find someone who's embracing a less traditional route. Um, you know, the traditional route is like slash and burn. And my acupuncturist said, this isn't the same acupuncturist, by the way, that suggested that if I didn't do something soon, I would get cancer. Um, but my current acupuncturist said, you know, they remove the pathology and not the root. They remove the tumor that was there, but not where it came from. And I think that that where it came from is in, is in me. It's in my nervous system and how well it's regulated, how my hormones work, how all the systems work together and work well or aren't. And that is affected by the things that I do in my life and the thoughts that I think. And it kind of gets overwhelming to me when I think too big picture about it and how like, oh my gosh, how do I change all these things? But it's totally possible. And that's a thought that has crept in for me at times that it's too late. What if it's too late? But when I feel how I feel after yoga, when I feel how I feel, when I'm in the flow of things, when I've meditated, when I've journaled, when I've learned something new that feels right, when I've connected with people who are on similar paths of healing, maybe for different things, but just like this um, healing on like a, you know, not necessarily from surgery, but from past beliefs, I guess. I know that it's not too late. It can feel in my body that it's not too late. It's only too late if I let it, if I believe it's too late. So I am going to keep doing those things that keep me feeling that way. And I'm going to keep talking about it here. So that ended up being a much longer um, update than I thought it would be. But um, I got out what I needed to get out. I think I even remembered all four things. Of course, now sitting here and reflecting, I don't think I could go back and recite what they were. Um, but I got them in there. 
and um, I I don't know if the microphone picked that up, but um, it's spring here, and I'm recording at my desk, and the windows cracked a bit. And I hate it when really loud bikes go by. It's I, I guess it's it makes it safer for them, but it's kind of annoying. Um, so with that, thank you again, everyone for supporting me. Um, thank you. Thank just thank you. Thank you for being here on your journey too. And I, um, I look forward to sharing more of mine, my journey with you, especially as I take it in this different direction of, well, I shouldn't say, I don't know. Uh, different direction um take a less western approach and i hope that if you're a doctor and you're listening or one of my parents um i don't want you to feel like blamed or anything that's not yeah that's not what any of this is about Maybe there's some resentments that I've got to let go of a little bit. Um, it does come up, but I know that everyone is doing the best that they can. Uh, I talked about that, I think, in the last episode or a previous episode that everyone's doing the best they can and we're ready when we're ready. And I, my whole life, have been doing the best that I could with what I knew in the moment. And as I learn new things, I'm committed to doing the best that I can with that. And I think that the best that I can do with what I know now is to take, I guess as Robert Frost would say, the road less traveled by, um, or is that what it is? I'm probably misquoting him. But, you know, different path, a new way. Um, a, a truer way. That's how it feels for me. Okay, I'm going to sign off now. Go over and follow me on Instagram. I'm going to be doing some more stuff over there, including announcing um, winner of um, a little prize from people who donated on that first day and also sharing my experiences with um, Smart Body, Smart Mind and and more and more. So... Thanks for listening. Lots of love to you. Take care. And I will talk to you next week. Oh, Instagram's at Unraveling Rachel. I think I forgot to say that. All right, really. Bye. Bye.